Hey guys, we're Mike and Paige. We are college sweethearts living just outside Nashville. We have four beautiful kids, been married for just over 10 years. What, what? And yeah, we love a good podcast and we love a good story. And so we thought we'd just put those two things together and tell our story through a podcast. So, Give you a little glimpse into our lives. That's right. So this is Laugh So You Don't Cry. Let's talk about jobs, baby. Let's talk about <laughs> you and me. You holding on to that? Yeah. You holding on to that? <laughs> that was totally, he was like, do you know what you're going to say? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Start. <laughs> Start about today. the good things and the bad things that you see. It works. It works. Uh, today, guys, we're going to talk about our jobs. Not the current jobs that we have, but we're talking about just the multitude of jobs that we have had. Uh, our current jobs might get an honorable mention. Yeah. Maybe. I enjoy my current job. Anyways, um, to start off with our funny story, here's a story from my first ever job. My first little job when I was 16 was Kroger. Uh, we live, I know we've mentioned, in my childhood home, so it's actually the Kroger that we shop at. Oh my if gosh, we I didn't think about shop that. at Kroger. And uh, I... I have always been an ambitious child. What? <laughs> and Wait, I you say ambitious? Yeah. I thought you said obnoxious. Oh, that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually left this job because I didn't get promoted fast enough and in <laughs> How, six months. In six months. In six months. Your first job. And I was 16. 16. And I got frustrated that someone else who had been there longer got promoted before me as she should have. <sighs> Anyways. But this is the story of how I almost lost that job. I was started out as a bagger, as one would at I a bet grocery you were store. A cute bagger, weren't you? I was. You carry my bags out to the car for me. Any time. <laughs> um, so I was a bagger. Then I worked my way up to a cashier, and I was, you know, working at a shift, checking people out one at a time. And I got this lady in the checkout line, and she was like flustered. From the beginning, like super frustrated, whatever. Was she a huffer? Like, yes, total huffer. (sighs) Not a heifer, a huffer. A little bit of both. I don't know. I can't even, I honestly, she's like a blob of a face. I don't even remember. Yeah, she's a heifer then if she's a blob. (laughs) You, that's awful. Anyways, so, um, she put like maybe 10 items on the on the checkout line. And this was before we had like the little scanners. So I'm uh, like the little gun scanners. So I'm checking the stuff out, rolling it through. And then it comes time for her dog food. And I had to manually key it in. And at that time, like dog food, barcodes, they were close together. And so I was like keying in the numbers. It was Alpo something, something, something. And I was like... Does that sound right? And she goes, I don't know. I don't check the prices. Like, first of all, I'm 16. Okay? Like, calm (laughs) down. Second of all, like, what are you trying to say with that statement? I don't know. I've got so much money I can buy whatever dog food I want. I (laughs) I don't know. I don't check the prices. I mean, is it above you to be budget conscious? What? Anyways. I bet you there was Abigail Kroger, the owner of Kroger. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So she finishes checking out, or I finish scanning the rest of her items, and I total it out, and I'm like, 89.32 or whatever the total was. And she goes, "Ah, don't you think that this is a little high for what little I get? Do you see where this is going, guys? I said, I don't know. I don't check the prices. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I, I, I have a question. So if she put 10 items on there mm-hmm. and it was $89, that means the average was $8.90 per know, item. I don't know, Mike. I'm pulling numbers out. It was a higher number and she did have a low amount of items, but I don't remember. See, inflection and in, in that the whole thing's a lie. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Price it, of living. So she got so mad, probably <laughs> rightfully so, for sure, rightfully so. So she marches her patootie right over to the manager stand. <laughs> Was that cutie patootie? And she gets on to this like 18-year-old guy who's my boss about me and like the like rants and raves and I can see her. And I'm like, oh man, that was probably not the smartest thing I've done. And after that lady, I had, you know, it's a line. I had another human that I was checking out and she was like, that was pretty funny. <laughs> And I was like, Ugh. she was just like upset. Um, even before me, she was upset. So anyways, then I see the lady that I just check out go and talk to the uh, same manager. And then my manager comes over and he was like, what happened? Uh, he's 18 and took his job way too seriously. Paige, what happened? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And he's like, what happened? And I was like, uh... I, you know, and I kind of explained the situation and he was like, well, you almost lost your job, but that person afterwards came back behind her. The person after her came up behind her to the manager stand and said that that lady was just being ridiculous. And that's the only reason why you have a job now. You know, like they're totally like, manager Steve just I know, throwing just on that power. Too big for his britches. Give, give a guy a key card and a discount. <laughs> 100%. And he was like, Mr. Smyrna Kroger, living his best life. He's still there, isn't he? <laughs> oh my there. gosh, wouldn't that be so funny <laughs> if you're like, Steve? Steve? What, what are you doing? <laughs> and that's the story about how I almost lost my first job. <laughs> So that was the delightful story. <laughs> um, <laughs> delightful, terrifying to live through. So we would like to talk about things that are like relevant to us and also just like things that like have affected us and played large parts in our marriage and our lives. Um, and one of the things we came up with was the fact that I've had an astronomical amount of jobs. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a word to like that would explain it. Uh, that, yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I've had a lot of jobs, and it has taken a... Uh, How many working years have you had in your life? Since I was 13, I uh, 14, uh, 24 years I've been working. Okay, but 13 doesn't count. Like, let's say like 18. Let's give you a couple. I've, I've had... When I was 13... How old are you? I'm 37. Yeah, yeah. So 19 years. That was a lot of time for math, but... Oh, my God. Okay. From 18 to now. Yeah. But I started working when I was 13. Okay. I was trying to give you a buffer, Mike. My family needed food. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So uh, to kind of start things on a lighthearted note, uh, Paige, what was your worst job? My worst job ever, ever. I was trying to get into the office job scene in Washington State. And it it was a really bad economy and people just like did not give up their jobs and there wasn't a lot of new jobs so i was trying i kept trying to get into the office job type things and could not find an office job then all my experience had pretty much been like nannying 
grocery stores. <laughs> uh, retail. So, retail. So I didn't really have office experience, but I had done an internship where I did do some office work. So I leveraged that to get an office job. And I did not understand how terrible it was going to be. But I was in an office with this lady who I had ne- I I can't even tell you how crotchety she was. She was that unpleasant of a human, like just mad at the world and angry and crabby. Never had anything nice to say ever, 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 ever. It was me and her in an office all day, just us. And then the business was owned by her and her husband. And her husband wanted nothing to do with her. And they were married, but like only stayed married for the kids. But now the kids were young adults. And she was like, can I divorce her? She actually had a conversation with me one time of like, weird. if your parents divorced right now, would you be upset? And I was like, yes, absolutely. I would be <laughs> like, yes. And it was horrendous. She never had anything nice to say about me, about my job performance. She always was just awful. She's a Debbie Downer. Not just Debbie Downer, but just like, just a horrific human. Yeah, she was just not a, a nice horrific, person. horrific human. And I mean this with as much kindness and grace as I can extend. She was one of those Christians who wanted to hand out business cards saying that they were going to pray for you. But I don't know if she ever had a sincere prayer moment in her life. <laughs> like she, she didn't get it. She didn't get it. And at the holiday party? Oh, man. <laughs> it was really awkward. Uh, but at the holiday party, they, uh, they did a presentation on the future of the company, and it handed out printouts to everybody. And it wasn't like, here is where we're going, and we're so excited. It was like, hey, this is what thing implements are changing to your job, <laughs> and this is how your job's going to get harder. It was like informative and not uplifting. Like it was celebratory. Like, Guys, this is the Christmas party. Like, let's let's drink some booze and eat some overpriced food and hang out. Like, no. It was. I worked there for a year and a half, almost two years. Too long. <laughs> I worked there too long. But that was my worst ever job. What was your worst ever job? Mm. It was a horrible, horrible job, uh, but we needed it because it actually was a way for us to get an apartment when we moved out, moved out oh, here. Oh gosh, this job was awful. Uh, it was for a family that... Somebody, Again, a that, husband and a wife. Husband and wife that is a, and the whole family worked together as a family-owned business, uh, and it was an embroidery business. So I'm like, you know, Embroidering hats and shirts and all this stuff, but like company embroidery, like company embroidery, like, yeah, like you, you know, know Zayo Adelaide's yeah. first grade field yeah. trip. Um, the entire family hated each other, and like literally, like if I was in the room with the husband and like the daughter, and the mom walked in, and then the mom walked out, they would start talking trash about the mom after she left. And it was like that for anybody. If the mom was in there and the daughter was in there, once the dad left or the other daughter left. They would start talking trash. It was so bad. Like, and just, they were, they were those people who wanted to know all the dirt about you, but, and they, but they played it off like they wanted to get to know you, but they only asked questions that were like. They were going to dog on you the entire time. Yeah, it was like. uh, Gosh, those people. You know, like, so what's your family like? Are they still, like, your parents still together? <laughs> it's like questions that would lead you to, like, give them information that they could dog you. 
Uh, like one time the, the boss and I were taking a ride to go pick something up and he was as big as I was at the time. And he was like, you're a hefty guy. He's like, aren't you worried about dying of a heart attack? And I'm like, aren't you worried about dying of a heart attack? <laughs> <laughs> like just the worst people. Um, and it was the most like awkward. And while Mike was working for them, I was nannying for the daughter that worked there. Oh, yeah. And then she... Fired you. Fired me because she didn't have the money to pay me. Mm -hmm. And then she was surprised that Mike was in an awkward position. No, we but we unfriended her on Facebook. Yeah, no. And yeah. I for sure and she came in. Her. She came in like emotionally distraught and was like, why? I know, but why would you and Paige do that? And I was like, I, you know, it's, that's not it. You guys didn't have a pre-existing relationship and like. It was just, it was dumb. It was a dumb, I mean, it was just awful, awful job. I probably shouldn't have unfriended her. Probably shouldn't have, but they were just awful. And I didn't want them seeing my, into my life any more than, you right. know, they had already been prying <laughs> into it. This took a weird turn. It really did. It was awful. Uh, that was my worst job. What was your shortest job? I, back in Michigan, I worked for a temp company. Um, it was working nights and it was working for an auto lot that, for Ford. So that's when they pumped out the vehicles, we had to like put like stickers on them and like drive them way out. I so. honestly, until this moment, did not know that you worked for that or did that. Yeah. Uh, so I had, I wore these pair of old shoes and that I hadn't worn in years. And it was a standing job all night long. And I worked uh, like 10 hours in the middle of the night. And the next day, my feet hurt literally so bad I couldn't stand up. And I never went back to that job. Oh. <laughs> That's probably and that was back and guys, this was back when uh you got a paycheck. So I'm sorry, so uh, a paycheck is this <laughs> piece of paper that has numbers on it, and part some of those numbers are how much money you made, <laughs> and the other numbers help you get that money from the bank. <laughs> so uh I had to wait for that check to come in. <laughs> I think it was like I got paid like ten dollars an hour. I think it was like a seventy five dollar check or something like that after taxes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What about you? What was your shortest job? Um, I, before this podcast, I was going to say Kroger, but I think my shortest job was I got poached from Kroger to go to Publix because Publix was just being built and I worked there for like a month. I didn't know and that. And a half. Yeah. The Publix right next to the Kroger. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. And I ended up quitting because March is historically a really busy month in my family's life. And I was like, I don't have time to work. Man. Legit. <laughs> <laughs> See, look at we learned some guys. If you don't, if you feel like there's like you're losing connection with your spouse, just start a podcast and you start learning crap about each other. <laughs> and you're like, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know. That you I think at you Publix. knew that I worked at Publix. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. It was uh, it was a great job. Should I have quit it? No. And when I did say that I was quitting, they're like, oh, you're welcome back anytime. Actually, dude, you should go back in now and be like. <laughs> So, hey. Um, I have a manager experience now, so I'm going to need to be a manager here. You said I'm welcome to come back. I need at least $26,000 a year to be a manager. Oh I don't know how much people make. <laughs> so, those are our shortest and worst jobs. Um, one of the conversations that we and Paige have had for years, especially in the last couple of years, is, Hey, Mike, why you got so many jobs? And I love that he's saying that like, hey, why are you 
wearing a blue shirt today? Because yeah. that's not how the conversations went. Well, <laughs> so um, I've had a lot of jobs. I mean, we've been married for 10 years. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. Um, and man, like I've had, like I started typing them out and it took, like I had to go back into my like photos and see like for the past 10 years, like pictures I've taken at those places so I can actually get them like in an order. Um, and this isn't even all I, I'm looking at it and there's some missing. Like you don't have your church experience on here. You don't have that. Is power sports that, that place that had the. Like lawnmowers and yeah, stuff like that yeah. with the moldy wall. Oh, with the with the mushrooms growing out of it. Guys, yeah, that, that was, was gross. disgusting. That's in Washington. Guys, don't go to power so, sports. So since we've been married, because when I when I married when we got married, I was working. Where was I working when we got married? At the church. Oh, was I? Okay. So when we got married, I was working for a church back in Washington. Um, <laughs> since we've been married. I have had, to my recollection, 25 jobs. Oh, my God. That is 2.5 jobs a, a year, year for 10 years. Oh, my gosh. Now, keep in mind. Uh, I'm going to do some quick math here, babe. I was <clears throat> I was at some of these places for quite some time. So, And you were at some of these places for, for no, not some times. Um, so I'm, That's I'm, an average of 4.8 months yep. at each job. Yep. But there's some of these jobs that you're at for like a year. Three years. Three years. So I worked for... Are you ready? The church. Uh, I worked for Jimmy John's. <coughs> that was great. I really liked that job mm-hmm. there. Not the one out here. The one out here can suck it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I worked for Cascade Windows. I worked for Power Sports. And then we moved out here because there was no money to be made in Washington. I worked for the embroidery place, then I worked for cellular sales, then I went to dental billing, then I drove a forklift, then I worked for a debt collection company for a payday loan place out here. That was the worst job. <laughs> uh, oh man, I should have But he stayed there one. for a long time. I did. Um, <laughs> I another got, forklift. I got fired job. for an awful reason. Uh, <clears throat> then I went to another forklift job. Um, back to the same place, actually. Then I went to work for Asurion. That was a great job. That was a great job. I was there for almost three years. Uh, then I went back to a forklift job because I stopped working to f- f- fix the house for three months. So there's three months out of that. Oh time my years. gosh. Like, it just starts diminishing. Um, then I got a job driving a forklift. And then I went to Nissan to drive a forklift. Um, there's a I, theme. Yeah. And then I went to Papa John's, which is awful. And then I went back to driving a forklift for another company. And then I did snack delivery, where you drive around in a truck and deliver snacks to gas stations and hospitals. That was crazy. <laughs> then I was a service writer in Nashville for a trucking company. <clears throat> then I did the a forklift job again for another company. Then I worked for a storage rack company. Then I was I shipped old printers. Because that makes sense. That makes I mean, sense. someone's got to do it. Um, then I went back to work for Jimmy John's. Under the guise that he was going to be a manager and make buku bucks. Oh, man, that was But awful. then they got him into a manager position. Job. And they 
cut him by 20000 a year yeah. from what they promised. They promised me X and they gave me A. <laughs> that one I can't even hold against you. Like that has no, that, nothing to do with your job performance. And I stayed there. I was like, okay, well, you know what? We need You're the gonna money. You're going to do the hard it's gonna thing. It's going to be money. That, I was there at like 4 a.m. until 4 p.m. It was the worst. Five days a week. Anyway, it was awful. Uh, then I went to work for Federal Mogul, which is driving another forklift. <laughs> and then I went to work for a travel agency. And then I worked for Jimmy John's for a little bit, again, as a driver, just to make a little... And quick money. Quick money. And then I worked for a Cardinal Health company out here. And then now I work at my current job. And if my current boss is listening to this, I don't plan on going anywhere. Oh, gosh. <laughs> at least for 4.3 months. Oh, gosh. No. Oh, I think it was 4.8. Give yourself 4.8. Oh, 4.8. That's a lot. Like saying them all, like, and if you're listening, I apologize. It took forever, but saying them all really like is a kick in the in the face. And I'm pretty sure there's like one or two other jobs that I had in well, there. Well, I'm, just... I'm positive. I'm positive there were. <laughs> I can't even remember all the jobs that you had. So, so why <laughs> am I cutting? I mean, so we would have these conversations, guys, and I'm like. I I have said many times that I'm the finance person in our home. And mm-hmm. I'm like, do you know how hard it is to do mm. the finances when we have gaps of five, six days? Like, that's that's 25% of the month that I have to now fi- figure out. Or, like, I'd be like, Mike, do you know the financial goals that we could have and, like, the things that we could do financially for our family if we didn't have this? <laughs> A lot of it was... uh it was this like easy money, and then there was like smart money. You know, like a Shurian was smart money, right? You know, you made a great wage. Yeah. Um, fork, the forklift driving, I'm very good at that. Um, but it's kind of like, yeah, but it'd be like if I went back to nannying, yeah. like I can do it. Yeah. But yeah. should I? No, is it the most money I'm going to make? Is it something that's going to be fulfilling? For those rich families in Nashville, it makes them bang. Let me, let me tell you. Yeah, but it's not going to be fulfilling, and it's not going to be something that I enjoy, and it's not going to be something... I mean, yes, I can pour into the lives of those children, but I would much rather be with my children if I'm going to be yeah. surrounded by children all day. So I, I like bounce back and forth from this like crazy, crazy mentality of like... I... I have the skills, okay, but some jobs pay better than others. And as a dad, as a dad and a husband, it's my responsibility to provide. So, like, I can try to find something I'd like to do that'll pay me less than what I doing something I don't want to do, but pays really well. So it's like I could have the stress of money, or I could have the stress of just a mundane, stupid job. Uh, both of those options are awful. <laughs> like either one, like. Well, I remember one time I'm like. It clicked for me when I went back to work after having kids, which I went back to work after when my first two were three and one years old because I thought I was going to lose my mind. Mm -hmm. Like I just, that's when I realized that like my mental health needs me to get out and to work and to do things for other people than my family. And that's okay. Like there's so much grace. And like, if that, it it all boils down to what is the Lord calling you to and being secure in that the Lord's calling you to it. But for me and for our family, 
the mom that was home all day was not a mom that was present. I may have been physically present, but I wasn't emotionally present. Yeah, you're a way better mom when you work. Yeah, because I come home and I'm excited. I've missed the kids. Mm-hmm. I want, um, I'm doing this summer schedule with my kids where I get up and I work from eight to two and um, they, you know, play outside. They go downstairs to my sister who babysits them. You know, they do the whole thing. And then at two o'clock, we go and do something fun. Mm-hmm. We go to a splash pad, we go to a pool, we go Chuck E. Cheese, like just something to go, do outside the house that, you know, dad gets home at five and, you know, um, speeds out the clock or whatever. But it's, it's so much better for my mental health to be a working mom. Um, but when I started being a working mom, I realized, like, you're going to be gone for X amount of hours every day. Why don't you find a job that pays you the most amount of money? Because you're still going to be working hard no matter where you yeah, go. You're gonna be, she always tell me, like, you're going to be working 40 hour plus hours a week no matter where you go. Why not go to the place that pays you the most? Yeah, and, like, something that you – ideally, you want to find something that you enjoy – and pays you the most. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the golden egg, right? <laughs> See, I... And you just didn't... That was like a revelation to you. It was. It was. Especially because like... I mean, I, I grew up in Michigan. And, you know, Michigan is primarily a blue-collar state. And I just had that mindset. Like, like I like I never was in, in high school. I was never thinking of like, what am I going to do now to work towards my future. And like when I was sing- when I was single and living on my own, like I was working to pay the bills. I wasn't working towards something. I was working for something. And I think like the culture of your family and some of the families that you're around and the people that you're around, like the working towards a goal yeah. wasn't always something that you saw. Yeah. Like, um, I think there's just like a lot of existing. Well, there's a lot of survival in my family. Yeah. Up, a lot know? of survival. I mean, your grandmother, my gosh, she had 11 kids and mm-hmm. she was just trying to like literally put food on the table. Yeah. yeah. And my mom was sick a lot. And my sister took care of her and took care of me. I mean, your mom, was just... your sister is knocked out of the park. She's not surviving. She's like legit thriving. I mean, she's crushing it. And Casey is too, yeah. your brother-in-law. Um, but she I would just say. celebrated 20. Six years? No, 20, 22 years. Um, but they, they're the exception, yeah, I would say, in your family. Yeah. Like every, there are some people from the 11 kids that are just thriving and some people that, yeah. you know, are just living day to day. And so I think for you also, like you didn't come from a, a family that, um, that like thriving was a thing and like yeah. living, working harder and harder and harder to get to, um, a better life wasn't a thing. Or like, like a status, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like because, I mean, uh, it's like a blue-collar noose. I mean, like it is like, mm. it is, you are living to survive, you know? And like, you know, I was never taught how to like do a budget and like think about like goals and stuff like that. It was never, in high school, it wasn't presented, you know? And it just wasn't something that I thought of, you know? And so like, for me, it was like the more money I have, the more I can do. That's that's how I saw it. Like if I have twenty dollars instead of ten, I can do twice as much stuff mm-hmm. or buy twice as much stuff. And so I would just try to find ways to make more money. And I'll be honest, I mean, there's a, I did I did a lot of these jobs because it was lazy. Like, 
Well, and a lot of the jobs, like, you you kept, like, that definition of insanity. You know, you kept doing the same thing, expecting different results. And you would get into these forklift jobs, and you're like, oh, I really don't like it. I think I'm going to apply to this job. And I'm like, why? What is that job's appeal? Like, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't have anything better for you than the job that you're at right this second. Like, it's not going to do anything. Are you sure that's what you want to do? And like, I finally got to the point where I had a really great job before COVID. And I was like, I can pay all of the family's bills, like minus $500 on my paycheck. Why don't you take some time, work this job, but like really press into what do you want? Mm -hmm. I said, if you want to move to like Arizona, let's pack up this house and move to Arizona and pursue your dreams. But like, I can work anywhere and I think I'm fine. Like, I'm pretty happy, human. I can find happiness anywhere. I can find joy. Like, as long as the Lord's called us there, everything else will work out. And I was like, but you've got to figure out, like, what do you want? You know, like that whole um, uh, Ryan Gosling, like, what do you want? want? It's not that easy. easy. Like, that was the conversation we kept having. I was like, yeah, I mean, it kind of is. Like, you just, what do you want to do? Then go do it. And Mike was like, that's not how life works. And I was like, I don't know, because it's kind of been how life's worked for me. <laughs> me and Paige have a very different outlooks on life. And I'm I'm not coming is my life Is it working, though? You've started embracing my way. Yeah. I, it pains me to kind of admit it. But yeah, I mean, a little bit. Yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> it's short, you, know, short and, you know, slow and steady uh, converts the non-believer. So but, we have a very different way you're saying. Yeah, like for me, it's like, If you reach for the stars and you don't make it, like, I'm sure there's like a cool feeling of being like, well, I tried, but also like. There's the feeling of, well, I failed. You failed. And you're clearly not good enough to reach for the stars. So instead of putting yourself through that emotional turmoil, bad at what you know you can hit. And I struggle with that because of of lack of self-esteem. And a lot of that self-esteem started to get destroyed because I, I was a drug addict for the longest time. Right. You know? And I think that's one of the reasons, and like Paige, on the other, on the other hand is like, I will only always shoot for the stars. Yeah, there's, there's no, I mean, and, and here, and here's one of those things. It's kind of like the lottery. Like you can play the lottery a million times. And on that million and first time is when you're actually going to hit it. And she, she bets, she hits so many times that she keeps hitting it. And it's like, well, either the odds are in your favor, <laughs> you know, or like. But I also think there's something about, there's no way to say this without being prideful. So hear that that's not where my heart is. There's also something about like just being aligned with God and in his presence where he directs your path. I think we've talked about this of like, God has God directs our paths, and when you are doing what God desires, like you are going to knock it out of the park because He's lined it up, He's teed it up for you, you know. And I'm not saying that like I'm the world's best at knowing and understanding what God wants for me, but I, I have been it. very purposeful on only doing things when I know that the Lord has released me to do them. Yeah, I think you're really good at leaning in to... I would say that I feel like I've almost missed 
more opportunities because I was too scared of walking out of what God had called. Mm. Like it, I will, I want to be sure. I want to be sure. I want to be sure that I'm sure that I'm sure that I'm sure that God has called me to it before I ever move. Yeah. And I've even like in counseling (laughs) one time, so my counselor was like, okay, so what is the worst possible case scenario? And I was like, did I get out of the will of the Lord? And they're like, okay, can you get right back in? And I was like, I mean, yeah. She's like, okay, so imagine you start a job and it's the job that the Lord doesn't want you to start. Can you quit? And I was like, yes. And she was like, then do the job. Mm. <laughs> and there, like, there's the balancing act and a dance to that because you really do need to make sure that what you're doing is what the Lord wants you to do. Yeah. But also, sometimes it's like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Just go for it. And Worst I, case scenario. I, I used to think that like res- resistance was like the way that you knew that it wasn't God's will, you know, like in that, um, like any kind of like hardship or like lack of, felt like it was a lack of his favor, you know, Huh. Um, when the reality of it was. So like, I, so. Yeah. Unpack so, that for me. So I would look at Paige and look at her mentality in the middle of all these jobs and drug abuse and lack of self-esteem and I'd be like okay so you get whatever you like what your heart desire is and all these great jobs and I'm not I'm not getting able to get crap I would say God's changed my heart to what he desires then I get it okay and and I would look at that and be like okay so you have God's favor and I do not Mm. and what did that do to you oh that was I mean that Really what it was is it was, it was a, that was just compounded by everything else. You know, Mm -hmm. like I was doing drugs, so I wasn't close to the Lord. I was lying to you, so I wasn't close to you. And I was lying to the Lord. So I wasn't, I mean, it was just this like cycle thing that we talked about before. So of course, like you're distant. Of course, you're like not understanding what God wants for you. Of course, you're wanting things that other than what the Lord wants for you. And then like, Mm. I know, like, I know I'm a good worker. You are. I think you're a great worker. But my... Yeah. But it's one of those things, like, once you experience a taste of the Lord, like, nothing's ever the same. And so, Mm. like, when I wasn't, when I wasn't living for him and being honest with him and doing those things correctly, it just, everything else went out of whack, you know? So my perspective on everything was all jacked up. And so, like, I thought that I didn't have God's favor. So tell me. And. Oh, go ahead. And so, but the, and so, so to me, that was like. Oh, there's resistance. So I'm not, I'm not able to find these really good jobs or I'm, I'm applying for these really good jobs and I'm not getting them. I must not have God's favor or, you know, it must not be God's will for my life. The reality of it is the, the resistance that I was getting was from myself. Right. You know, like I'm not putting oil in the engine. I'm not putting gas in the oh, gas tank and yeah, I'm slashing my own tires. And I'm like, and slashing my what, own tires. What? Why is my car not going? Gosh, God, you just have it out for me. Like, you just have it out for me. And okay. I, and unpack like, that. Unpack that. I just did. That's, I, that's, I know, that's but it's just like, man, it really is just like this vicious cycle of. It is. You feel like, I, okay, I was just talking to a girl about this yesterday. Like, you feel like the Lord is far from you. Mm-hmm. So you don't approach God. So you feel like he's far from you. So then, like, you start to approach God, like, whether that be worship or Bible reading or whatever, 
um, but then you don't feel something right in then that moment. Not and it's not based off of feelings, anyways. But it, it's just this perpetual cycle. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you have a close relationship with the Lord, even if you don't feel anything? Um, and it all boils down to feelings don't matter. Do it because God is the God of the universe, mm-hmm. and He deserves you to get to know Him. He. You were created to know him. Now, whether you feel something or not does not matter. The point of worship isn't for you to feel his presence. The point of worship is to pour out your offering to him in, in at that moment in song, maybe in service, like in, um, you can have acts of worship, you know, and like serving other people. That's an act of worship. Um, loving other people well. Anyways, all of that is not the point of like being, feeling, I guess I mean to say, feeling God's presence. Yeah, but we I are, think if we can just like nix feeling God's presence out the, of it. But the, but the problem with that is that it, it doesn't start or stop there. I mean, mm-hmm. like we, we know people who have quote unquote fallen out of love, you know, and gotten divorced and like, like, how many days do we get up and go to work when we don't want to? Right. How many days How many days do we do our kids need us to love them? And there are times when you're tired and you're like, I don't want to be a good parent right now. You know, mm-hmm. like, and a lot of times we're not. Like, we base a lot of what we do on, on our feelings, you know? Right. And, like, it's, it's, all, it's all about us. That, 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 that's what it tells us, you know? Like, why am I putting in this effort... To love God well, and, and search for Him when He's, I'm not getting anything back out of it. We so that, that, I'm. That's what we want. We want to feel something. Right. I'm very all or nothing. Very all or nothing. It to my detriment. And Mike and I got into a big argument At this. My detriment. <laughs> it's true. Uh, we got into a big argument this weekend, and I, I like found myself being like, I just want to quit. And it's not true. It was my emotions. I know that. But I'm like, I just want to quit. And it's like, no, but I have made the choice. Like, I'm in this choice. And it's going to be hard. But I'm in this choice. Mm-hmm. Like, we are married. Um, and in that same way, like, you have to just make the decision that you're following God. Like, are you following God or not? Like, we're walking through, our church is doing baptism in a couple of weeks, and I was talking to Zao about it, um, and she was like, right off the bat, I want to get baptized. And I'm like, great, I would love for you to. I've been feeling like maybe it's potentially time for about a year now, but letting Zao take the reins on that because it's her faith. And, I, you know, we've walked through, like, why do we, <clears throat> why do we do baptism, so on and so forth. And it all boiled down in the car when we were talking was like, you have to decide, are you going to do what you want to do or are you going to do what God wants you to do? Mm-hmm. And I said, and that is the Christian faith. Like, do we love God and thus we do what he wants us or do we do what we want and that's kind of a hard pill to swallow. And Zayo was like wrestling with it. I said, Zayo, you don't have to decide right this second. You can take time. I said, if you need a couple of nights to sleep on it, a couple of nights to think about it, but you've got to decide 
Because that's what baptism is. It's saying like, I fully believe in God. I'm going to serve him the rest of my life. I love him and my life is devoted to him. And what that boils down to is, are you going to do what you want to do Hmm. or what God wants you to do? Are you going to see, and for us adults, like, are you going to see X, Y, and Z issue through God or through what you want? Hmm. Are you going to see your marriage through God's eyes or through what you want? Because, and we've also been talking to Zay about, like, you do not follow what your heart says because your heart changes. Because, yes, in the moment this weekend, I didn't want to be with Mike. He was being a jerk to me. (laughs) I was being a jerk. It was my fault. Um, But my mind knows that I've made a better choice. But your body and what you're feeling in that that moment override that. Right, but we can't listen to that. No, no, we can't. And that's why, like, things take time. And, you know, like, I was in denial of why I had so many jobs. I was. Can I ask you a question? As you're saying this, yeah. How does work look different now that you're sober versus (laughs) when you were high? Not as fuzzy. No. uh, Well, I think that's a (laughs) given. (laughs) Uh, It's actually really funny. So the the other day, um, I have one of our stickers sitting out at work on my little. Let us know if you want a sticky. We'll send it to you. Yeah, for real. We still got some. Um, I'll even pay for shipping. Uh, so I was sitting out and one of the ladies, uh, made a comment about like, Oh, is that your face on there? Like, you know, she goes, what is that? And I was like, Oh, (laughs) that's that's such a mic thing. Like, even if we didn't have a podcast, I think you'd still have stickers of your face. That's pretty funny. That's a great face. Yeah. It's super funny. Listen, I was one of my face on a t-shirt and a, and a friend of ours from church made a t-shirt. If you want a t-shirt, let us know. We can get you one. It's, you would have to pay for that though. Mike, I'm not giving that out for free. I'm not. I I, I got the money to pay for that. You kidding me? Um, (laughs) So anyway, so she like she said she asked me like, "Oh, what's your podcast about?" At work. And I was like I was like, "Oh, cool." So yeah, it's about my me and my wife, uh our marriage and you know, overcoming addiction and staying together and not getting divorced. <laughs> <laughs> You're like and trying she, to like she make legit it. legit pulled up a chair and she goes, "Tell me all about it." And oh so my I gosh. start telling her, you at know, work. At work, and I'm like telling her, I'm just, I just I'm, I I don't hide it. Like I mean, I, like clearly I don't hide it. I've got a podcast about it. Um <laughs> Which, by the way, if you guys know us in person, you are more than welcome to bring it up at any time. Yeah, for real. Like, we're not hiding what has happened in our life. Yeah. So my boss then walks up. And Is this she, like your and, direct boss or the yeah. boss's boss? My direct boss. Yes. So she's, she's like, what are you guys talking about? She pulls up a chair, too. And I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> and so, you know, we're like, and the lady I was talking to, she's a feisty, boisterous lady. She was like, Mike was addicted. <laughs> He almost got a divorce from his wife. <laughs> and and my, my boss goes, how long ago? And I was like, oh, you know, that was like a year and a half ago. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> not very long. <laughs> I mean, it, it is very long, but also not very it's long. It's hard to scheme. like, we ain't that far out. No, we're not. But like, it seems like a lot. As, as far as like telling your boss. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, like she goes, you know, she's like, so how is life different now? You know? And so I started telling her things and, and I made the joke to her. I was like, I was like, you know, accountability is, is the key to success. And I was like, so keep me accountable. I was like, if you see me nodding off over here, you say you made a joke to her. That's not a joke. If you see me nodding off. Oh, okay. Like, 
you know, because I told her, I was like, I'm addicted to painkillers and, you know, I, I'd be nodding off, you know, and if you see me nodding off, like, you can ask me, like, yeah. are you tired because you got four kids or you, you're nodding off for another reason? And, you know, she kind of laughed and I said, I'm being serious. And she goes, and she hurt me. So, um, so how does work look different? I enjoy it. Um, you're more content. I am more content. I enjoy being present. Yeah. I mean, for, I think that's in all of life too. on, on and off for 10 years. I, I mean, you know, and that's one thing too, about like, my my addiction was like it wasn't a three six five you know it wasn't seven days a week it was like i mean there are times when i would go two weeks buzz high every day and then there'd be two months where i didn't have access to anything or i didn't want to do anything you know there'd be like i had my nine months sober when i did cr before six or nine months one of the two i can't remember and like you know so it was i was really sporadic um and then near the end it got worse you know, but it was like, um, I wasn't present at work, mm. you know, I was, I just wasn't. And I think that's why I chose jobs where I could right. be, you know, like I could drive a oh four ton gosh. forklift carrying really heavy, you know, brake calipers and, you know, stuff and, you know, the safe jobs, the safe jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah, now, I mean, I, I really, like, I, I see the merit of working hard. Yeah. Because before it was just like, I need to make money, and that's that. And now it's like, I've, I have the best job I've ever had right now. It's been really fun. I was just thinking that in my I sent Paige a picture today because our internet went out for like 10 minutes, and so everybody played ping pong for like an hour. <laughs> it's been really fun seeing you live in your potential. Hmm. Like, you feel it, I see it. And it's awesome to watch. Like Mike, Mike's making more money than me, and it's such a great thing. And he is doing a job that's like right in his wheelhouse, mm-hmm. and that is so cool to see. And he's like knocking it out of the park, and his bosses are noticing, and that is so cool to see. Yeah, yeah. And um, God gave Mike this job one year. Like right at one year of his sobriety. Yeah. And I told Mike, I was like, that's not a coincidence. I think that is such a such a kiss from heaven, such a a beautiful nod at Mike's and Mike's obedience. <laughs> you know? Like the Lord, he takes care of us. He truly, truly takes care of us. And this was a ridiculously hard year. Um but he continues to provide. And there was, I mean, there was a lot of times when like Pedro talked to me and she's like, I see your potential. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why you can't see it, but I see it. And here, here's what it looks like. And she's like, why, why don't we just fo- like, don't take any job. Just if, if you're six months unemployed, okay. If it takes six months to find that job, do it. And I kept settling and mm-hmm. it, she kept making this like. He kept she, getting like the same forklift job just at a different place. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why are we doing this? Yeah. And like. Or just like crappy, the service writer job. Like it was a dirty environment. Yeah. I just. With dirty. People. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, there was a, a really unhealthy place. But like. the And then, so then, but then I had this anxiety of like. Mm-hmm. Even if I was sober. My resume does not, like, I like 
like it doesn't speak well right. at all. You know, it really doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so now I got to find a place where I can spend two to three years right, and, and show a good, you know, standard on my resume. And a guy from one of my CRs told me about this position. And honestly, if it wasn't for him, I don't think I'd have gotten the job because um, he's been there for a long time. And, you know, it's one of those things like where my my resume didn't matter in the interview. You know, it was all about the interview process. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm apparently a really good salesman. And, <laughs> you know, so which we always knew that. Like my, my sister always used to say, like, I would be the best used car salesman. Yeah. So I ice just, to an Eskimo. Yeah. Um, that's how I got Paige. It is true. I tried to hold off for like three months. I was like, no, I'm good. No, thanks. But he's just so easy to talk to. And girls, if you don't have someone that you are married to, <laughs> I would hide. So this is such a tangent that doesn't even matter. This but is I'm like going to say third tangent. It. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It is who I am. I don't know how to be anyone other than myself. Um, here's, okay, Popeye. <laughs> here's what I will say. I was not attracted to Mike when we first started dating. And my when he, hair. And, no, it was not your poofy hair. And he was pursuing me, and I was like, meh, I don't know. And oh, you know, and she, and like, we were dating for like. I didn't tell you until we were engaged. No. Yes. You were dating for like six months. No. no. We were at the oh, old spaghetti factory. That's right. In we the were trolley after we were engaged. She's like, you know, I, she was, I wasn't attracted to you. You weren't for like three months, you weren't attracted to me, or six months? It was a while. It was like. And then finally it like popped and you were like, oh, okay. <laughs> Here, I was praying about it and I was asking the Lord about it. And I just felt really strongly that attraction comes, attraction will come. I said, but what will not change is someone's character. And I loved who you are and were. And I knew, I knew, I knew that you would be a great dad. You'd be a great husband. And I also knew that even though I wasn't attracted then, that because you were so easy to talk to and you were such a great person, that it would come. And it was only like three weeks, four weeks. That's like so early into dating. (laughs) Which is funny because most people are like, that's the first thing. I mean, honestly. I mean, I know. And that's what I'm saying. Like, girls, guys, whoever. Mike and I talk about this all the time. I get so mad at guys who, like, will only date girls who they find attractive. And I'm like, that is so dumb because you're going to have to be with that human for the rest of your life. Yeah, but there's also those girls who are like, I need a guy who's 6'1 or... Or bust. Or bust. Like <laughs> I, I agree. And I also... I Didn't you hear me? First, I started off and said girls. But I just think we, as... As humans, Americans, whoever, put so much on that attraction piece, and that'll come. You really need to marry someone with a good character, because that's who you're really stuck with. Mm-hmm. And more times than not, I don't even see your face anymore. <laughs> like I just see your heart, and I love who you are. I see your face. Yeah, it's a good one. I mean, I, I see your heart, too. Don't <laughs> worry. See some other things. Stop. <laughs> so... Me having all these jobs, mm-hmm. besides like, I mean, you could talk about that again too, but what did that do to you? And like, not, not just in like the balancing the books, but like. We had some a-hole. <laughs> I will say that 
this time around, who messaged me one time when Mike posted on Facebook that he had a new job. Or no, he commented on you, your new job, and he was like, so how many jobs can you possibly have in a short amount of time? And I messaged him privately because I didn't have his number. And I said, hey, like, why wouldn't you be excited for my husband? And and it was like a Shurian that you got hired on, like a good wage. I was like, for the first time in our marriage, like Mike's making a great wage and providing for our family and and do it, making his life a better life. Why would you ever comment that and tear down a fellow believer? And we've already talked that I'm very mama bear about my people, but I was like, no, like, why would you do that? So there was a lot of that. Like, I was very protective over you and I wanted to like honor you and I wanted to hold you um, in high regard to other people. But I was very frustrated with this part of your life. I mean, just so frustrated with this part of your life. And I never really understood why all of this was happening. Mm. Like, yes, drugs played into it. it. It was probably like just a perfect storm of like drugs played into it, your family background, your self-esteem that just all made this swirl your lack of relationship oh, yeah. and with then, the I mean, Lord like, that then, like, like, I mean, you got to think like you said before, storm. like you spent, you spend X amount of hours, no matter what, doing something, mm-hmm. you might as well find something good. Like I hated a lot of my jobs and, but I had to do it because we had to have money. Right. And so to get, to get by, I would just get high. Right. I mean, like, gosh, I, when I worked at that debt collection company, I was, Literally on the phone for 12 hours a day, eight to eight. Mm-hmm. And it was an automatic calling system because it would call our customers who were past due. And this right. is for a check cash. This is for a um, payday loan. Payday loan, right? So this is people who don't have 300% money. interest, friends. Don't ever do it. Um, so on all day, I was on the phone with these people who had nothing and I needed to take what they owed us. And pretty much my job was to set them up for promises to pay us and mm-hmm. if they didn't we were still going to take the money out and if they bought and like like i remember when tax day hit people were calling in like you took seven payments of three hundred dollars out right. of my account well yeah you were seven payments past due it's like yeah like and you signed the paperwork saying we could do that like it was just messed up right and it was so depressing so i'm i would take six painkillers and sit there on, on the phone all day and just zone out for eight hours. So that way I could do my job and not like numb your heart as you're numbing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That was emotionally a really hard job for you. Yeah. I can empathize with why you would take pills to kind of get out of that. Cause no, I mean, that's not a loving, righteous, like wonderful honoring job. No, it was no. Money, but that's the thing though. Is I, it was about, it was all about me. Instead of being like, I can be a light to these people who are in a bad right. place. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, and like I was like <laughs> Janet Dunn, <laughs> who always <laughs> likes and comments on my stuff. She was a lady who was in a hard place, and we and her actually became friends. And I dealt with her a lot, and like. Dealt with her sounds bad. You had her account had her and account. you talked to her and often. Like I, like I actually implemented with that company uh, the customer support where we could 
we could love on our customers and send them gift cards and stuff because mm-hmm. they fell on hard times. Right. You know, and like, but instead of seeing it all, seeing it all as, as an opportunity for good, I just wanted to numb myself. So what did that do to you? What? Having all these different jobs. Oof. Uh, when we first moved out here, it was like an initial, like this, okay, we're in a brand new state, a place I don't know. Um, fresh out of college. We don't know if I'm going to go into ministry. Um, we need to, we need money right now. Like Mm -hmm. we have to, we, we are in a deficit. We have to have money. We had one kid, no, no savings, no nothing. We had to have money. So it was like, just scramble, find whatever you could. If something else came along that had more money, uh, you take it. <laughs> like you just do it. Like you find what's going to be the most bang for the buck so we could just get ahead. And then a couple years went by and it was like job after job. And then finally I landed at, at a Shurion for three years and moved up the ranks there and then I quit that job because of I was having anxiety about working at home and I wasn't I didn't wasn't seeing a lot of people because I was at, at home for 10 hours a day working in the office work from home this is before COVID before it was cool and I remember having this just like depression and anxiety and I and I thought that it was because I was working from home and I wasn't able to go see people. And like those things added to it, like those were a part of it, but also a part of it was that I was abusing drugs. Right. And that my spiritual life was going down the crapper. And I asked them if I could go back on site and they said no. And so I quit. And I, I even had like a FMLA or whatever it was, LOA. Uh, because of my anxiety. Like if I couldn't function that day, I could leave work and not get fired for it. That's pretty and crazy. So, but yeah, it, and it really you still like, we're like, I can't do yeah, this. It, 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 after so many jobs. And then as time went on, it was like one after another, after another, after another. And a it lot was of times, a really hard season for our marriage walking through that. Yeah. And, like, how do I support someone who just doesn't want to do it? I remember uh, my counselor, uh, this is about a year ago, eight months ago, I was complaining about the job thing. And, like, I was just saying, you know, Paige, Paige sees all this potential in me and... You know, I have a crappy resume because all these jobs I've had and I'm not going to be able to find a good job. And he was like, well, what constitutes a good job? And I was telling him what I thought it was. And I was like, I just can't find a job. And he said, he said, no, like you, he's like, you are a commodity. He's like, clearly you're a commodity because he's like, you, you can find a job and you do find a job. He's like, you're just not looking for the, the job that you deserve. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he says, I work with a lot of people and he does. He has a very full schedule. And he's like, there are people who cannot get jobs. They cannot find jobs. And he's like, you've had so many jobs. And she's like, which is not a good thing. It's like, but it does show that like, you're clearly good at interviews. You're clearly a people person. Like 
you're appealing, you can clearly get jobs. You just got to start searching for the right one. Like, Kind of like what your wife said. Kind of like what my wife said, yes. Um, <laughs> for free, actually. For, yeah, that didn't cost me that much money when you told me. <laughs> but it did for him, so. But yeah, it was, it just, it was a mind screw. Like, it just kept, like, it was telling, I was letting it tell me a narrative. Yeah. That was not true. And that narrative was driving the boat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I mean, there's always, there's movies about it. There's books about it. Like people finding their identity in their work and like their value in their work. And I did. I also struggle with that. But in the, I mean, like I, I knew from a young age that I would easily be a workaholic. Mm -hmm. And so my justification was like, oh, I'll just go into ministry then. (laughs) Like, it'll be fine. I'll be working for the Lord. What? No. Like that's a that's an idolatry issue. So, fast forwarding to now, because mm-hmm. you know a lot of those things it, it takes time to change. And I mean, I've like I've only been in this current job now for three months, and the job I was at before that was for three months. I mean, like <laughs> it, you know, it seems like it's still that cycle. But getting sober. And listening to my wife and then listening to what the Lord says about me and what the Bible says about what God thinks about me and how he sees us has really changed my perspective and how I approach things. Like, the job I had before this one was actually a really good one. There was a lot of opportunity there. It was solid. It was a good company. Mm-hmm. Um Really, it was it was a job I could I was going to stay at for a long time. That was the plan. Um, so I just gotten this job, and like and I, and I got that job because I was like I'm going to go I'm going to reach out for this. Like I'm going to try mm-hmm. to get a good job now. None of this crap anymore. We're going to focus just on this and do it. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that, and I got the job, and it was awesome. It was work from home. It was great hours, good pay, good benefits. Everything was wonderful, and. Great company. They Great treated company. you well. And I'm not health, wealth, and prosperity. I, I hate that kind of stuff. Um, and I don't, I don't know exactly how it wor- how how God's favor works, except for the fact that it's His to give, and He wants to give it to you. Mm. And He wanted to give it to me, and I know this because. <laughs> mm. I mean, I got that really good job. And then I get a phone call from Dell for an interview. And, and we then, had been trying to get on with Dell for like yeah. two years, four years. No, like it was a long Longer. time. And then my buddy tells me about this job. And now, so, and then I, I'm, I'll get my second interview for, with Dell. I get my first interview with this company. And here I am sitting here like at work at a really good job. <laughs> having to figure out when I'm going to schedule these interviews for these other really good jobs. And it's like life-changingly good. Yeah, like it's not paying like, uh, like not... double what he was making at the all so he got this job at Cardinal Health and it was paying great. Yeah. Um but this job was paying double the great job yeah. that he was reaching for. 
Like, can we just talk about the kindness and goodness of the Lord and his provision and favor? Yeah. And man, it was just eye-opening. It was eye-opening of what living a sober life will do, mm. um, finding confidence in, in who God sees us as his children. Right. Um, yeah, it's been totally life-changing now. And like now even at work, I'm like, I'm so grateful every day I go to work. Like I, I'm like the first one there usually. I love it. I love, I love what I do. I love the people I work with. I mean, it's like just the best thing ever. And I don't like, I don't deserve it, but I'm glad, I'm very glad that I have it. I'm very glad that you have it too. We babbled a lot during this podcast. It was a lot of, a lot of preachy stuff, but it was still good. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for hanging out as we talk about how many jobs can Mike possibly have <laughs> I think we said, in the last How many years. jobs can one man have? <laughs> was like the, the, Working title. And I was not, when she wrote that, we talked about like episodes we want to do. She was, I was like, I don't want to do that one. <laughs> but you know what? I worked, I provided for our family. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. There are a you couple gaps, but. Listen, you. It's a journey, and there's so much grace and so much love that I can extend to you, and we can move on to better things Mm. and learn from mistakes. Yeah. I love it. I love you. Love you, babe. Guys, thanks for listening. This is Laugh So You Don't Cry. cry.